Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Podcast. This is your host, Pooja Chilakuri. I'm really excited today to interview my guest, Roberta Grimes. One night when Roberta was eight years old, she woke up in the middle of the night and knew for certain that there is no God. And she was terrified. Then a bright light flashed and a voice said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me unless you knew what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. She thought, that's nice. If you forget there is a God, they will mind you. And she went right back to sleep. She went on to graduate from Smith College and Boston University School of Law. But that experience of light remained with her. She had to know where that light had come from. So even as she pursued a career as a small business attorney, married and reared a family, Roberta has spent more than half a century researching what actually happens at and after death as a compulsive hobby. The result has been her present part-time additional career as a podcaster and blogger and an afterlife lecturer. Roberta is the author of seven nonfiction books, including The Fun of Dying and Liberating Jesus, and I'm really looking forward to her sharing her insights with us today. Welcome to the show, Roberta. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for taking your time. You've been doing so much research, and I just finished reading your book, The Fun of Dying. And I have to tell you that even though that has added to all the research I'm doing, but I also have so many questions for you. So I'm going to jump right into it. Um, what led you to your research? And I would love to know about that childhood experience as well. Well, um, I, <laughs> we, we, everyone who's eight assumes everything that happens to them is normal, right? Because if it happens to you, it must happen to everyone. So I thought that was normal. If you forget there's a God, they remind you there's a God. So I never asked anyone about that experience but I assumed it I would learn about it in the course of my life and since I never did I studied Christian history in college I figured they'd tell you in college what happens if you forget there's a God and I never never learned it there either and that's why I researched the afterlife I figured then I would finally find out what happens if you forget there's a God but what I discovered was that around the turn of the 19th to the 20th century, there had been all these wonderful deep transmediums, which, you know, by the middle of the 20th century, there were no more deep transmediums. But all of those mediums had had these wonderful, wonderful experiences with people who had died very, you know, right away, almost immediately, they were able to get in touch with them. And a deep trance medium, unlike anything that happens today, can withdraw from her body or his body, mm -hmm. and their control takes over, and they have right there with them the, the person who has just died, and it's an experience unlike anything we have today. In that seance room is your just died aunt, uncle, father, mother, whoever. And the the conversations they have and the detailed descriptions of what's going on are unlike anything we have today. Mm -hmm. And after I had spent a couple of years reading the books that were produced by the people who were in the room who had studied these experiences that, that these, these people had who were talking, chatting directly with their dead loved ones, mm -hmm. I said, okay, it's real. There's no way it's not real mm -hmm. because... 
they all were talking about exactly the same thing, the same products, the same processes, the same places, the same. I mean, there was there was no outlier. It was they, they were all in the same place. It was I, I think I say in the fun of dying, it was like, you know, you're going to all have to everyone's going to have to go to Fiji one day, let's say. And you all want to know what Fiji is like. And they all had the same experiences. Mm -hmm. It was gigantic and amazing and wonderful to be able to find all these accounts, hundreds and hundreds of accounts of this mm -hmm. same place. Mm -hmm. okay. Amazing. I think that's incredible because... These days, if I want to know something, I just go to Google, and you did not have that. No so. Googles back then. Not, no, <laughs> no, not the 70s. No, so <laughs> you were it. really laboring to find all the information. <laughs> yes. It was really amazing. It was wonderful. And so one of the questions I have for you, Roberta, and this is also in your book, but I want to ask you is uh, something you say that really did touch me. You, you said that both science and religion have failed or they haven't you know they missed the mark when it comes to the afterlife can you comment on that a little bit well yeah because they have predetermined what the truth is mm -hmm. i mean we can kind of forgive religion for that in a way because Religions tell you, all right, here's the answer. Uh, we have this guru from the past who has told us the answer and we, we want you to accept it. And that's what it is. We, we aren't proclaiming that we're searching for the uh -huh. truth. We already have the truth. Yep. But it's different with science. Science tells you that we're searching and we're objective about it. Uh -huh. And science is not objective at all. Uh, science uh -huh. has core dogmas. And the big one is materialism. Mm -hmm. Science tells us the truth is matter. And in fact, nothing is material. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you objectively look at matter, matter itself is not solid. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, it, you, you, if you Google, you know, is matter solid, you find out that matter is in fact 99 point and then put seven nines after that percent empty space that's what matter is yeah. you can't put your hand through your desk because your hand and your desk are both 99.79s after it percent empty space but there 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 is they are they're composed of the same kind of empty space you can't put your one through the other because of the fact that that empty space is whirling atoms mm -hmm. that's it yeah. uh, but, but there but there's nothing there really it's all illusion yeah. it's an illusion yes. and in fact is composed of what we call consciousness it's all consciousness all consciousness science won't tell you that though mm -hmm. because science has decided for reasons you'd have to ask science why but they've decided consciousness must be produced inside your your mind your brain your brain yes your brain and and that's where they're looking for it yes. and it's not the course not produced inside your brain your mind is not produced inside your brain yes. your mind is part of one gigantic whole consciousness is really all that exists yes. this is something max planck discovered mm -hmm. And and he said it way back before the the middle of the twentieth century. 
But they rejected poor Max Planck, even though he did get the 1918 Nobel Prize for having discovered a whole bunch of stuff. They rejected him, too. So we, we can't look to science because science has dogmas. We can't look to religion because religion has dogmas. Mm -hmm. So we have to do our own figuring stuff out ourselves. Yes. Unfortunately, there are people who are doing that work. There are, and you're one of them, Roberta. And that leads me actually to my next question, because I do understand, you know, matter is, a lot of it is empty space. A lot of the universe is invisible and dark matter that we can't, you know, see. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. And you've done a, such an excellent job of this in your book, but I want us to talk about it, is the levels of reality. So what is real? Well, um, <laughs> what's real is the fact that most of it is not real, but, but, <laughs> but my, my podcast, but, but that's all right. The fact that most of reality is not real is in fact a real fact. And so we live with that. I mean, it works well enough for us. So it must, that's, that's what we live with and we live with it joyfully. Consciousness is what's real. And that's, that's about all that there is, mm -hmm. but the reality that we live with is energy. Mm -hmm. um, consciousness is an energy-like potentiality. That's really what it is. That potentiality gives us the illusions that we live with. Mm -hmm. And those illusions are really created by our minds. Mm -hmm. And our minds are all part of one great mind. Mm -hmm. And we live joyfully as part of that one great mind. Yeah. And um, it's... Uh, as, as A Course in Miracles says, nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal exists. Therein yeah. lies the peace of God. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it also reminds me of, uh, and I'm not like a quantum scientist or anything, but I do remember reading that whatever we focus on, that's what becomes real, like an electron could be zipping around the nucleus of an atom, but it only exists if we observe it. So yeah. I guess that's what you're sort of saying with the pure consciousness, we could, therefore, whatever we're focusing on becomes our reality, I guess. Yes. So let's focus on only wonderful, happy things. If everybody made that decision, imagine the joy in that. Yes. And the fact is that you are real and you are eternal. Mm -hmm. You are eternal by definition. If you exist now in the now, because time is another thing that's not real. Mm -hmm. Time yes. is eternal. You are eternal. If you exist right now, then you always have and you always will. Yes. And that's something I know, Roberta. A lot of people that have had near-death experiences, they talk about being outside of their bodies and experiencing past, present, and future at once. And it blows my my brain right now. It really does. <laughs> Maybe when I leave my body, I'll understand. But right now, it blows my mind how that can all coexist. So I think it's right. a magical. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Albert Einstein said that time exists only so uh, everything doesn't all happen at once. But but it but in eternity, when we are in the astral plane, everything doesn't happen at once. Yeah. It's just that the illusion of time doesn't exist there. We 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 have a sense of being timeless, and yet we also have a sense of not needing time. 
it's it's it doesn't we 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 live with a sense of no burden of time we we can be doing whatever we want for as long as we want and there's no burden of time on us it isn't when I first heard what 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 Einstein said, I had not yet ever been to the astral plane, and I thought, "Ooh, that's a worry." I mean, when we go there, does it feel as if we have to? I mean, how does that work? But when when you are in the astral plane, you just don't have the burden of having to look at your watch. Yeah, There's, you know, they don't wear watches. They don't need to. They don't need to. Half our problems, half of my stress would be gone if I didn't have a watch. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, there, there is no sense of, of, of the burden of time. We we can tune into the time that the loved ones that we have on earth are, are living if we want to, but there's no sense of the burden of time at all. Yeah, and I love I love that phrase, the burden of time. I have to remember that. Because that really, a lot of us working under deadlines and all of the stress that we put on ourselves, right? right? Um, so you're talking about the astral plane, and now we're getting into the afterlife, Roberto. What is, what do you think happens there? Like just, you've written so much in your book, but just a few things so people could sort of get an idea. Well, the astral plane is energy levels, and there are many of them, thousands mm -hmm. of them. And they all exist right where we are. The easiest way to envision it is as, is think of television channels. Wherever you are, if you're in a room, right in the room with you are thousands of television channels. And if you have a TV, you could turn it on and then you could just turn to channel two, channel four, channel 28, channel 99, whatever channel and pick up a reality, right? Right in your room. And you, all those different realities exist there. Now, if your mind, envision that mind as a television channel and it, whatever it channel it's tuned to, it's picking up your body in, in the reality, which is your room, which, you know, which is the United States, if you're in the United States, uh, in whichever state you're in, that's, that's where you think you are. You're not there, but that's where you think you are. Now, when you die, all that happens is you tune to a, to a higher channel and you pick up a new body mm -hmm. a, at a higher channel in the very same place. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that your mind tunes to that new body mm -hmm. and that new channel and picks up a beautiful new reality. Uh -huh. exactly where you are now it doesn't it, it it feels a solid it's a beautiful young body too which is kind of lovely <laughs> yes <laughs> i agree and, and 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 it's it's just that easy it's just that simple and you say something else roberta in your book that uh, that really has touched my heart that we are not alone in that process when we're transitioning can you Never. comment? Can you comment? Yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, the thing is, when we we're not alone now, every person you see is like a walking crowd, mm -hmm. because you have, we all have our spirit guide. We all mm -hmm. we have a primary spirit guide who's with us through life, mm -hmm. and most of us have several guides. Um, I have 
intermittently I have 11 guides mm. because I'm very busy doing a variety of things and you pick up guides who help you with all those different things if you decide to learn to play the piano you've got a piano guide if you I, I do a lot of writing I have a, a writing team um, just all different things that we decide we want if you want to learn a language you, you have a, a language guide who's oh. fluent in that language helping you and they're eager to help us. They love us. They want us to have the best possible experience on this earth, learning and growing and doing things. Mm -hmm. And all those people are helping us. So we're all surrounded by helpers. Now, when it's time for us to go home, um, people who have loved us in other lifetimes or primarily people who loved us in this lifetime and went home before we did, will come back to escort us home because when you are out of your body you are every bit as clueless as you were when you first left your mother's body <laughs> you were a newborn baby you had no idea what was going on and you will have no idea what what's going on when you first leave your body to go home so whatever you do follow your deathbed visitors Mm -hmm. I first see them usually in an upper corner of the room shortly before you you leave this body. And while you're still attached by what's called the silver cord, whatever you do, don't try to comfort the people around the bed. They're going to be saying, oh, but, you know, feel for a pulse. Is she still alive? Oh, or is is he still here with us? Oh, this is terrible. Oh, what are we going to do? Call for a nurse. Do not try to say, hey, I'm still here. I'm just fine. Don't try to, because if you try to communicate with the people around your bed who are still in bodies, you will lower your vibration and your vibration, once you are out of your body, your vibration rises quite rapidly. And that's why you're able to see your deathbed visitors and communicate mm. with them. Mm. Follow them. They will try to get you immediately to leave the room mm -hmm. and go with them. And your vibration will be rising very high, very fast and mm -hmm. very high, almost right away. Go with them. You'll find that the room starts to look vague and vapory, and which is kind of neat. And you'll go through a period of fog. And then as the fog lifts, you'll find yourself in a whole new reality. That's the wonderful part. Remember we said we changed channels? Well, you know, if you're yeah. if you're caught between channels on your tv it looks a little fuzzy yeah and the fuzz clears you're in a new reality new channel where we are in the astral plane and the the, the period of place that, that we we go to directly is the afterlife which is a little part of the astral plane it's like a foyer wow it's it's specifically designed for for when you go home now if someone is having a near-death experience they are not in the afterlife they're mm. in the astral and the astral yeah and if they if they are having an extended near-death experience they'll often come to a place and be told you have to turn back if you keep going you will be in the afterlife mm -hmm. and you you will not be your your silver cord will break and you will not be able to go home again you will die so you have to turn back if someone is telling you, hey, I died and came back to life, they did not. They had a near-death experience. They did not die, ever. Yeah. Death is always a one-way trip. 
It's a one-way trip. And you answered one of my questions. So their silver cord, they're still tied to that, to their bodies. They're the always cord. attached to a silver cord. They never actually die. That's an important distinction. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for but clarifying people, that. Yeah. People, people just, it's a, it's, it's a mistake people make and they write it in their books. I died and I came back to life. They did not. If yeah. they were able to write a book, they did not ever actually die. They had a wonderful experience. NDEs are wonderful. We learn a lot from them, but we cannot learn what the afterlife is like from someone who was able to write a book about it. Mm -hmm. simple, simple distinction. Got you. Got you, Roberta. Okay, so you really helped me because I'm very crazy about this stuff. I've been, you know, trying to read and learn for the last 10 years, but I feel like I appreciate your book so much because I really felt like I was being educated and I appreciate it. I'm so glad to help. I <laughs> no, really you, am. You did because you never know who, when you write a book who'll come along later, right? The same person with the similar uh, passions. And I, I really love I've just your first book, but I'm going to talk about your recent book in a minute. But first I have another question. Um, in the afterlife, what about things like judgment? Because I was part of a very fundamentalist religious group. And, you know, judgment is a word that used to trigger me. I used to get fear around it. But thank God I've moved on from that. But I still want to ask that question. Do you think there's a... Is there a judgment? Yes. Okay. Who is the judge? You are. All right. Okay. God never judges you. Jesus never judges you. And you know what? It says that in the Gospels. Jesus says that God never judges you right in the Bible. Why is it that the people who are running your church never read the Bible? Why did they never read the Bible, do you ask yourself? I don't know. Yeah. But Jesus tells us that God does not judge us. Jesus tells us that he does not judge us. Mm -hmm. You'd think they would read the Bible, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would think <laughs> But we judge ourselves. So are you? So what I'm hearing is um, self-forgiveness is going to be an important lesson then. I'm yes. Assuming. And Jesus says that okay. when when his when his um, uh, disciple Peter says, oh, how many times do I have to forgive? Even seven times, Lord. Jesus says, I don't tell you seven times. I tell you, 70 times seven. Mm. Seven was a magic number. That meant a whole lot. And Jesus says, not just seven times seven, 70 <laughs> times seven. Every time we have to forgive. Mm -hmm. And why was he saying this? Because he knew the day would come when you would be. And it isn't really judgment. It's more that we, it's a life review. Yes. We, we go through a, a period after our deaths, and this is very important to our spiritual learning, mm -hmm. when we are going to experience our whole life mm -hmm. our, panoramically. We're going to experience that life that just lived mm -hmm. from the viewpoint of every person we have affected during that life. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even the even the the, the kid that you'd made crazy when in when the third grade because you couldn't stand him, and 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 you used to always tease him, and and the, the poor kid, and you made his life miserable, and you've forgotten that you have forgotten that you're gonna get to, you're gonna get to feel how you made him feel, and you're gonna feel terrible. Yeah. So you're gonna have to forgive yourself for that. 
Wow. And that's the reason why Jesus says, you've got to learn how to forgive, my dear. Only because when you're you practicing that. Yourself for that. Mm -hmm. Everything you ever did in your life. All the things you have, because you think you've lived a pretty good life. That's what he's telling each of us. But there are things from your life that you are going to experience from the viewpoint of the people you've affected, and it's going to make you feel terrible. Mm -hmm. you're going to have to forgive those things too and that's why jesus says 70 times seven times you're going to have to forgive to forgive yes so what i'm hearing roberta is when we practice forgiveness for others maybe we're better able to forgive ourselves as well right and i think that's that's really important forgiving ourselves forgiveness is the hardest thing to learn and it's the most essential thing to learn isn't it? That's why my, my book, The Fun of Growing Forever, is contains really what the real trick is to forgiveness. Yes. The real trick is prevenient forgiveness, learning to forgive everything before it even happens. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's the real trick. Yes. Once, once you've learned that trick, you don't have to worry about forgiveness anymore. And it actually makes your life a whole lot happier. Yes. Yes, I can imagine. And, you know, talking about Jesus is a good segue into my very last question. Uh, though I wish I could talk to you forever. There is so much to learn from all the things that you found. Uh, your, I think your last book or your most recent book is Liberating Jesus. It's the most recent the one. Most right? the, the, my very last book is The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. Uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit about, and I'm also very curious about the title, Liberating Jesus, because my, my first question comes to my mind is, what does he need liberating from? Christianity. All right. <laughs> With the Christianity that is being practiced now was created um, by the, the Roman Emperor Constantine, uh -huh. and it was created in the on the ashes of the movement that Jesus created. The, uh -huh. Jesus created a, a very successful uh, movement, which um, was, you know, for, it, it was going, it went for more than 300 years uh -huh. before Constantine destroyed it. Uh -huh. And he did destroy it. Um, uh -huh. he, he lined uh, highways with, with, his, with the followers of Jesus on crosses. Uh -huh. He was a brutal man. Uh -huh. And and he was the one who created the whole notion that Jesus died for our sins, which is fear-based. Uh -huh. Everything Jesus taught was love-based. Was love-based. Yeah. And the reason he that, that what he did was so horrifying and so wrong is that he created a fear-based religion uh -huh. that makes it almost impossible for us to use the teachings of Jesus as Jesus means them to be used mm -hmm. to raise our spiritual vibration, to grow spiritually, which is what Jesus came to teach us to do, to grow spiritually. Yes. And so that's what that's what the fun of loving Jesus is about. It's about how to use the teachings of Jesus as Jesus intends them to be used to grow spiritually. And that's one thing I love about your books. There's a lot of fun in all the titles. And they're all not so easy topics. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Even well, the, the, I didn't I didn't come up with the word fun. The word fun came from spirit. 
it came from people that know really know. Um, I yeah. never, I would never have dreamed of something. <laughs> the fun of the fun of dying, dying right? right? But, yeah. But I've also come to believe, Roberto, that joy is a very. I mean, people say love is uh, the highest vibration, but I always feel like joy is. Because without joy, we can't even love. If, you know, uh, we're miserable. We can't love. Think how joyous it is knowing that we live eternally. Yes, I mean, it turns life from a tragedy into a comedy, doesn't it? It does. Everything, all the drama that we create here, seems so silly when we look at it from that perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, um, I really wish that more people find your work, Roberta, and I. I honestly, with all of my heart, wish that people that are listening, if you know, if they're curious about the afterlife, if they're grieving, if they want to learn more about the teachings of Jesus, I'm going to have all of Roberta's information in the show notes, all the links to her book, her website, and her wonderful podcast. And thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us today, Roberta. It's been such a delight. I, I just, it's been so much fun. Yes. For me too. Thank you.